0: This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen.
1: All right, I want to bring you a message called One Day. It's part of our Now series. One day. And we're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter number 10, and verse number 3. The book of Acts, chapter number 10, and verse number 3. Father, before I read this word tonight, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And Lord, I ask you that you will open this simple message to us, that we might become what you want us to be. Lord, that we might be full of your presence and full of your power and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Acts chapter 10, verse number three says this, one day. Did you say that with me? One day at about three in the afternoon. How many of you know that your life can change in one day? One day, you, one, one, one diagnosis, one, one uh, report, one, one, somebody saying, hey, we just need to talk. I mean, Your life can change in one day. But it can change in the other way as well in one day. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw, we're speaking about Cornelius here, but he he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Now I want to focus on that for just a moment, that, that one day moment. You know, when I was a, a boy in school, we read, uh, you know, in your literature book, you would always read different American stories and different things, but there was that one year you always came to read the great sermon by Jonathan Edwards. You always read that that, that verse, that are, uh, those passages that he shared there, and, and his thoughts upon uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Anybody remember reading that in school? How many of you read as little as possible in school? Okay, all right. But you would read that Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. That sermon sparked the first great awakening in the 1730s and the 1740s. And maybe I just ought to add, I think we're about due for another great awakening here in in America. You see, Jonathan Edwards—he uh, preached this message, and he was—he's known and now talked about because of this this message that he preached over and over again to the point that as he would preach it, people would jump out of their pews and hold on to the the very rafters of the church, just screaming so they wouldn't fall into the the pits of hell. And and I thought, man, you hadn't preached until till that kind of stuff starts happening, amen. But you know, he was much more than the man who just preached that sermon. Jonathan Edwards did more than preach that one sermon. He he was a leading academic of his day. He graduated from Yale at the age of 13 as the valedictorian. After graduating, he studied, and after he graduated, listen to after he graduated, he studied an average of 13 hours every single day. Then he wrote dozens and dozens of theological volumes, and and he wrote a biography of a missionary that literally inspired a generation, and still inspires missionaries today, and 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 is, is studied by many. And, and As he wrote this treatise on this missionary's life, it it became one of his greatest works. He would eventually go on to serve as the the president of the Princeton University, and he, he actually shortly after he would accept that position, he he would die, but. This man, I want you to note some things about him quickly. Not only was he a a great uh, theologian, not only was he a brilliant mind, but but he was a good man. He was a man who who loved his family. He had uh, 11 kids. He spent one hour every single evening just ministering to his children. Since that time, his family tree has become legendary. Of his descendants that are known, there are 300 ministers, And missionaries in the world. 120 of his descendants became university professors. Over 100 lawyers came from his family line. 60 prominent authors are his descendants. 30 judges, 14 college presidents, 3 members of Congress, and 1 vice president, not to mention the first lady, Mrs. Roosevelt, were all his descendants. Most notably now, the editor of Doubleday Books as one of his descendants. But here's why I bring you that. It really all comes down, in Jonathan Edwards' words, to a moment in time. It all comes down to a single decision in his life. One day that changed everything. Jonathan Edwards would write, he would say, he would declare throughout his life, if people asked why he was able to accomplish what he could accomplish, he said it all began on January 12th, 1723. On January 12th, 1723, he said, this was the moment that I made a declaration that changed everything. This is what he said. He said, I made a solemn dedication of myself to God and I wrote it down, giving up myself and all that I had to God to be for the future in no respect my own. To act as one that had no right to himself in any respect and solemnly vowed to take God as my whole portion. Looking on nothing else as any part of my happiness nor acting as if it were. This man... Edwards is still celebrated today. This man has literally affected millions and millions of lives, but yet if you could go back to him in all of his writings and hear his voice echoing, he said it really all came about, not because of the, 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 the intelligence level that he had and not because of, of the opportunities that were afforded to him because of the, the things being so young and so successful. He said it really all came down to when I made the decision that on one day I would make my whole life be committed to God as my whole. I would make my whole life sold out to God. And I love what he said. He said that the only happiness that life could really bring, it would be the happiness to know that that he was in pursuit of God and what God had for him. I can't help but think how our lives would change if the great happiness of who we are, if we found the joy of who we are, and I know I'm going off script here for a moment, but I feel it in my heart. If we found the joy in who we are, not in things of this world, but we found the joy in who we are, is whether or not we're growing and we're getting to know our Heavenly Father more. Whether or not we feel His presence, we interact with Him, and we know that when our heads lay to rest tonight, we don't have to go, oh God, I failed you again, but, but we can lay our heads to rest and say, God, I may have stumbled today, but I gave it my best shot. I did my best. I pushed on the best that I could so that I might honor you and I might please you. No longer sold out to things that have bound us for our whole lives, but sold out wholly and completely to God. You go, Pastor, that sounds idolistic, but let me just tell you, today could be the day that you make such a decision. One day. One day. You see, the Bible is full of one-day decisions. I mean, one day, one decision, that's all it takes to say that it all starts here. I believe God can invade our lives, and I believe God wants to meet us right where we are. I have to tell you, though, when you come to a one-day point in your life, it usually is something that that, that is one of the hardest decisions you've ever had to make. It's one of those moments, and this is not in my notes, but I'll, I'll never forget when God was dealing with my heart about going into a full-time ministry, and, and I had one or two desires in my heart, and, and I knew that God was leading me into full-time ministry. But as soon as I started taking the step toward full-time ministry, and, and I'm telling you, it was generous back in those days in full-time ministry. I mean, it was, it was good money. $226 a month. That was the salary offered to me. I, I found, I used to say 262 but I found in a, a box not long ago, one of those pay stubs, it was $226 a month. But as soon as I made that decision, two things came to me. One was the boss that I had that I was leaving his company. He came to me, and said, Don, I want to tell you something. He said, he said, my sons have all become either doctors or they're multimillionaires in their own companies. And he said, Don, I don't want you to leave my company. He said, I want to give you this company and it's made me a millionaire. How many know you have to go talk to God after that? Come on. And then there was another desire. And just days before I I finished that notice of that one company, I received a call from from a dear friend and said, "That, that job that you said you wish would come about but never dreamed it would come about, it's yours if you'll take it. It's yours. That job would have come with something that my job didn't come with. One was finance. Come on, amen. But the other was insurance for my, my new bride. And I'll never forget when it came down to the decision. And it was one day that finally I finally had to say, no, give that to someone else. And no, thank you, but I've got to follow the, the, the call of God on my. I'm, I'm talking to somebody that, that you, you need to come to the place in your own life where you make up your mind, you stop trying to decide what you're going to do for God and you decide you're going to do something for God. One day one day to honor him one day to please him i mean our lives are full of one day moments some of those one days are days we wish we could get back i thought about the one day that samson went down and he slept with a prostitute which was a bad decision a, a bad day which led to other bad days which ultimately robbed him of his eyesight and eventually his life but how many of you know god redeems even when we've had bad days i'm thankful for that kind of god do you know what? Our God can turn our worst day even into our best day. He can turn any day into the first day of the rest of our lives. I mean, there's a story about this young man named Joseph, and we've heard this story uh, growing up in, in Sunday school. Many of you, some of you may have never heard this story, but the young man named Joseph, he, he's his father's favorite son, and he's the the, uh, the son of many brothers, and he's got one younger brother, And he, but he goes to his older brothers, and he's, he's bragging. And he's telling them about all the things that are going to happen in his life, and, and so on that day, that one day, they, his life changes forever. He's made a slave that day. And then he goes down to Egypt and and he, he decides that, that, that this new change of life is not going to change the promises of who he is. And so even within his slavery, he begins to live up to the potential of the dream that God has given him. And he becomes the second in command of the house in which he's a slave. There's no one but the, the owner, the master of the house that's higher than he. And then one day, the master's wife comes to him and, and she wants to be his lover and he, he flees. That one day would cost him everything that one day would then end him up in prison as she would make up a story about him. And, and then, then he would be there for 17 years of days. 17 years of days. And as he's there for 17 years of days, there was obviously other one day moments in that time to where he had to make up his mind. Would he continue to go forward? Would he, would he continue to live up to, to, to the, what he had decided on that one day when he trusted God's vision for his life? And so then one day someone calls him in and says, Hey, I've had a dream. And, and he steps up and he, and he interprets the dreams and it's a good day, but it's not, it's not changing that one day when he decided he would believe God. And then in the middle of that, they, they God does exactly what he says is going to happen. And, and that man is promoted back, and one's killed, and one's promoted back. And, and then sometimes later, sometimes later, the Pharaoh himself, the king of the land, has a dream. And they, they call for Joseph and Joseph is elevated, and he's now elevated to that level that, that God had showed him back in the beginning, that one day his brothers would bow before him, even his parents would, would bow before him. He's it's elevated from what God showed him on that one day back there. And what I'm telling you all that story is this, that when you make up your mind on the one day, there are going to be other days that you have to make a decision about. There are going to be good days and bad days and days that you're wrong. Don't you think Joseph felt like everybody had done him wrong when for 17 years he was falsely accused? But the one day still it his life. Can I tell you something else that God's just shown me in this? That in your one day, when you trust God and you know that God's moving for you, keep your course because even when you don't know where it's going, the hell itself could not stop the fulfillment of what God had put into play when he stood up and trusted God. And it eventually happened. It's all about the one day that today's the day I'm going to make the right decision. I'm going to decide. I'm going to follow God's plans. Because well, Most of us have lived in the regret of yesterday. Don't make me buy my own amen tonight. I could preach twice as long. Come on now. Amen. Most of us, let me try that again. Most of us have lived in the regret of yesterday and worry about tomorrow. But what we need to do is serve him today. We need to find him right here, right where we are. So I don't know what decision you need to make, but I know that you're one decision away from a totally different life. I believe that today could be your one day more than anything else. One day, one decision, one idea, one divine appointment, and it turns your whole life around. Let me go back to Acts chapter 10 for just a moment and explain to you what's so important about this one day. We started in verse three, but let's go to verse one. It says, says, here in this place, there, there was a, a man named Cornelius at Caesarea, there by, by the seaside. There's a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. Now, stop there for just a moment. He, he Here's a man in verse 1. Or here's who he is. Here's what he does. Verse 2 tells us about his character and how he builds that character. I want you to catch this again. His job is a centurion. His location is Caesarea. It's beautiful. You should go there. It's a gorgeous area. They're overlooking the Mediterranean. It's beautiful. But his, his location and his job are set. But his character, he's devout is determined by the choices that he makes. I want you to see this. The Bible says, then in the next verse, and one day this occurred. One day God did something amazing. One day everything changed. And, and what I want you to see here is that there are two statements in this passage that that really give us what set him up for his one day. He prayed regularly, or daily some verses say, and he gave generously. I've already taken the offering. It's okay to say amen. See, those two statements tell us really all we need to know about him. Because one day at three in the afternoon, one day as a result of what he had done on other days, it set him up to be able to walk in his one day. All right? So one day... At 3 in the afternoon, he gets a vision. At the exact same time he's getting a vision, God's moving. I want you to see how powerful this one day is. God's moving on Peter over in Joppa, down, down the coastline, down in Joppa. And as God's moving on Peter over in Joppa, something begins to happen as God shows him a vision. And in this vision, he's seen something that's unclean. And God says, take and eat. And all these times, he's given this opportunity. And finally, God says, what I have made clean. No man can call unclean. And so what happens then, there's a knock at the door, and they come from, from Cornelius' house. They gather Peter, and they take him there to that house. And here's what I want you to see, that all of a sudden, everything changes for all of us. What I mean by that is everything changes for us because of what Cornelius had been doing. It set him up for a one day that literally changed the world. Cornelius' family gets saved when Peter comes in and tells them the gospel. This is literally the moment to where the gospel goes from being for the Jewish people and the Samaritans to for whosoever would may come and receive. This is the moment that the whole world is opened up to. for the, It's the turning point for the church. It's the moment that everything changes because it became the door for us when Peter entered into that house and entered into the place of that man because something had been set up before in the way he was living before that equipped him for the one day. I, I don't know if you're getting this. How many I don't mean any I mean speaking sure I know we have at least one Jewish believer here. We have any other Jewish one Jew, how many are Jewish? Can see your hand. 1 2 All right. How many of you are not Jewish? All right. Get this perspective. 2 and the rest of us. Before this one day, we didn't have a chance for the gospel. They were receiving the gospel. Jesus made a way that it was not just for the Jewish that we believe, but it became for the Gentiles because there was a man named Cornelius. I want you to watch this. There was a man named Cornelius who lived in a house by the sea and that man loved God enough that every day he prayed and he was good to others. Now, I think that what you're you're thinking, I'm wanting you to start giving something. What I'm trying to tell you is about being generous and good to others. And because he honored God every day in his life and he talked to God every day in his life and he was good to others, what he did on those days opened up a blessing that ultimately has blessed us here today because his one day became a, a current that flowed to all who weren't Jewish so that they might know Christ also because his, his good heart and his faithful commitment to God opened a door. Am I making sense? And you see, that's where all of us are trying to figure out how to please God and how to how to get our one day moment. And God will see me someday. But God's looking for you to do what you can today, so that you can do what He's called you to on that day, and it'll open the blessing for others. I feel this today. I feel it in my heart. You know, if we we reverse engineer this thing, I want you to just look back at this for just just a moment. What opened the one day? for billions and billions to know Christ, was this praying regularly and giving generously. I tell you that prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. See, most of us have been trying to make our one day happen. But if we would get connected to our Father, am I making sense tonight? If we would stop, can I say that, Lord, or should I say that, Lord? If we stop whining all the time, Come on, and replace it with a cry to our heavenly Father. God, use me. God, clean me up. God, let me become who you want me to be. God, begin to take your your burdens to the Lord, if I can steal from an old song, and leave them there. If we begin to pray, we go from our best to seeing his best. See, I believe that prayer can change anything, and I believe that prayer can change everything. You will never break the sin habit if you don't establish a prayer habit. I want you to get that. You will never break a sin habit until you learn to talk to God. Somebody said, well, I'm just going to pray about this situation. I said, well, why don't you go pray about it? They want me to do something different. Why don't you go? You you just go pray. But can I tell you why I can say that? Because every time I pray, it doesn't always change them, but it usually changes me. And what God is concerned about is you getting to the right place, so then he can put you in the right place to do the right thing. Am I making any sense to anybody? Somebody was imitating me the other day, and that's what they said. They said, I'm Pastor Don, am I making sense to anybody today? I said, is that what I say? You've got to talk to God every day of your life. You've got to find a place to kneel you got to find a place to get along with God. You need to start your day out that way. And listen, I don't care if your prayers are King James or NIV or NLT. I don't care how your prayers sound. What they ought to do is be coming out of your lips. You can be, well, you know, Lord, thou art great and highest above all the earth. Fine, have at it. Or you can be like, yo, God, I don't get it. Yo, yo, come on now, man. But the reality is, Start somewhere. And then God will begin to change. And eventually you'll end up talking to him in a comfortable way. Preaching truth. Listen, don't miss your one day because you didn't do what you could today. Seek God. Seek God. Trust God. So it says he prayed to God regularly. It doesn't tell us how long, but day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out, he had prayed to God. Pastor, I don't know if I've got that much to say to God. Well, you need to learn to start praying his word. We were singing Psalms 3, that last song. That last song was literally the scripture. You don't like the words of that song? It, I'm sorry, it's not, it's not good. That, the words of that song are the word of Psalms 3. Okay? And it, that's all they were doing was singing the scripture. And as you, you can sing it, you can pray it, you know, so I was talking to somebody today, and they were like, I don't know how to get past this. And I said, David said, I can run through a troop and I can jump over a wall. You don't know how many times I've had to pray that scripture when I didn't know how to go forward. Lord, all I see is obstacles, but I can run through a troop and I can jump over a wall. You see what happens is prayer aligns our dependence upon God. Prayer is what's putting us in the right place. Too many of us are too talented or have too much going for us or are we we've been given all these things. But as we begin to seek God, we realize in prayer that it's not about what we can accomplish because we can only go to our best, but it brings us in line with what God can accomplish, which is his best. And Cornelius prayed every day, and that's what made room for the one day that changed our lives. Couldn't it be amazing if that, that situation that changed Jonathan Edwards' life, the situation that changed Cornelius' life, what happens if you get to the place where you're seeking God and you can be the one that people can look back to and say, it changed my life. So now, not only did he say he was praying, but he was living in a generous capacity. Okay, Pastor, why do you need an amen? I just want to know if it's an amen or an oh me. You see, most of us are setting getting goals and not giving goals. And what we ought to be doing is looking for opportunities and ways to bless others in our lives. Ways that we can encourage others. You going, Pastor, you're just trying to get us to give more. That's, if that's your mindset, you're missing what I'm trying to say. You see, he prayed regularly, but he gave generously. You know... What God's trying to speak to us is that there's ways that we need to get to where we begin to live in such a way that that we are not thinking only about ourselves. When I go in prayer, I'm thinking about God and I'm praying for others. When I begin to find people in need in my life, I get the attention off of me. And do you know what i found the best is when I can get the attention off of me and I can get it on somebody else, God starts moving for me. I'll never forget I went to the altar to pray one time, and I grew up in a church that, that if somebody didn't go to the altar and pray every single service, you just didn't have church. Can I get an amen? And I went to the altar and prayed. When you go to the altar and pray, here's what's supposed to happen. Now, we, we, we kind of say it like this. Maybe I've never If you come down here and lift your hands and stand, I, I want people to leave you alone because you're worshiping. But if you get on your knees and put your head down, you are fair game. Come on now. Come on you are fair game. When you come to the altars, people can pray with you. I mean, I saw some go pray with some, and I was proud of them. But but I had come to pray in an altar. And the moment I, I mean, God was moving all around. And as I I had a real need, and I was talking to God about that need, but, but Satan himself was in that altar. And here's what he said to me. Everybody's praying with everybody else. Nobody loves you. You ever been there, anybody? I don't know. Nobody loves you. Some of you go, that's the way I fell at church. Well, well, welcome to the club. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, I remember sitting there and for minutes that the enemy was pounding me about that. Hey, nobody loves you. Nobody loves you. Nobody loves you. And so one, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit hit me. He said, get up and go pray for somebody else. And something shifted inside of me on that day, that one day, I said, I won't sit here and allow the enemy to 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 beat me up. I'll get up and I'll go engage doing something for somebody else. And I want you to understand that when I touched them and the power of God went through me into them, it changed my problem and theirs too. And see, that's what happens. I'm not talking about pulling out your wallet and give some cause tonight. I'm trying to talk to you about becoming a generous person in heart, that you stop making it selfish and you stop making it about you and you stop making life all about yourself. The reason that Cornelius could have a one day was he spent time with God and he'd learned to do what God commanded, love others as himself, and it opened up the door for the one day to come. That's what God's trying to do with us. You see, we're going to have to give beyond our ability and watch God do something beyond our ability. And when I say that, I'm talking about you go, I don't have anything left to give. You keep on worshiping. I don't have anything else left. You keep on serving. And if God tells you to give what's in your wallet, then give what's in your wallet. But you obey God and get your eyes off of yourself because a pity party is a really lonely party. But when you invite others in by reaching out, an atmosphere is created, and God moves in that atmosphere. So let me, let me just tell you, if you want your one day, you need to pray. You need to pray regularly, and then you need to keep praying, and then you need to keep praying, and then you need to keep praying, and then you need to keep praying. And you need to keep doing the right things, and you need to keep humbling yourselves, and you need to keep reading the Word of God, and you need to learn to love the Word of God. I'm, I'm being honest with you. And then you need to keep on keeping on. I had to re- read that because I would have never got that right. It sounded good typing it out. And then when you feel like you're about to give up, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to hang in there. And hang on a little longer. And after you've hung on a little longer, you know what you need to do? You need to keep on keeping on. You need to keep caring about others. You need to keep praying. You need to keep seeking God. And then one day, somewhere, your three o'clock's is going to come. And God's going to show up. And he's going to show off in your life. And I can't tell you how and I can't tell you when or where. But I can tell you that he's the God who loves to do just that. He's His eyes are searching throughout the earth, looking for whom he might show himself strong. I may be running a Sunday morning sermon with this one quote, but it's uh, Jeremiah. It says that he is looking to guard and protect his word. If you're living on what God said, he's looking to help you walk into it and see it fulfilled. He looks and he watches for you. Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for the testimony of how you've given us such an insignificant part in such an amazing work that's going on on the other side of the world. But Father, I thank you that you're helping us to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto a world that is in need. Lord, help us to be prepared for those opportunities of generosity because we've sought you. Though that when we encounter the people on our jobs and we encounter the people in, in the stores or we encounter the people at the park or we encounter the people in our neighborhoods, wherever they are, God, that because of what we did yesterday and what we've done today, we're prepared to be your instruments to them on that day. Father, I thank you that now is the time to commit to you. Now is the time. Lord, we want our one day to be a blessing to many. With everybody praying, nobody looking around, I wanna ask you a simple question. How many of you would commit with me to say, I want to start living today so that I'll be ready for when my one day arrives? Can I see your hand? Hands all over this place. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. You're speaking to our hearts. Change our hearts, change our lives. Now with nobody looking around and everybody praying, those hands can go down for just a moment. I know I've been encouraging us all at all different levels here to engage in our faith, but here's who we are at the foundation of our church. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you would say, Pastor, I I want to know Jesus. I'm just going to pray with you in just a moment. I'm not going to embarrass you. The way others raised their hand is the way you're going to now. Nobody looked around and every head is bowed and every eye is closed. But if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I know that before I can have that monumental day, I need to have the most monumental day. I need to surrender my life to Jesus Christ completely and wholly to Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who's prayed this last week or even the week before. I'm talking about somebody who says, you know what, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting to make this decision. I've been praying about making this decision and tonight's the night. This is the moment. This is the time. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, today's the day. I want to really settle this. I want to know Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Just stick your hand straight up in the air right where you are. I want to pray with you. I'm looking around the room tonight. Thank you. Is there another? This is my day. This is my time. Thank you. Is there another? We'll join me these two. Is there are there others? This is your moment. This is your time. All right, I want everybody in this room to stand, if you would. God's going to change these lives tonight for all eternity. This is what the Bible says. It says that if we will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we would be born again. That's what the word of God says. And the monumental accomplishment of who Christ is becomes a reality in our lives when we pray this prayer and we're going to all pray it together if you're comfortable grab a hand of somebody next to you ma'am. and let's pray this prayer together out loud together Jesus, Jesus. by faith I believe, I believe your, promises. your promises Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father today, today at, this moment, at this moment I receive, I receive your, promise. your promise by faith I, believe, I confess, I confess I am a sinner in need of a savior. From this moment forward, all that I have, all that I am, belongs to you. In Jesus' name, I am forgiven. In Jesus' name, I am born again. By faith, I declare that God is my father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my savior. Amen and amen. Now, come on, give God some praise tonight.